This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So let's talk about that bright side of the road and, and how we get there and what mindful communication looks like and, and, and how all this stuff can sort of start to come together. Now, for those of us joining here for the first time, we're in the middle of this series. It's a five-part series. First week, we looked at Am I Listening? Next week, we looked at Is It True? Next week, we looked at Is It Kind? Fourth week, we're looking at, please say the U word there, Is It? Is It Useful? And, and for those of you who don't know, I have a really cool energy ball that will teach you all about this, but we've, we've, I don't want to overdo it. So we've shown it twice. Again, you can go back on last week's service to look. It's just about how we have to connect these things. Like when we have a mindful communication, we have to ask ourselves, am I listening? Is what I'm saying true? Is what I'm saying kind? And is what I'm saying useful? Because if any of those things don't happen, aren't present, then we have to learn to not have the communication. Last week we looked, for example, at the really tricky one of like where we're offering what's true, but if we say what's true without being kind, it doesn't work. It falls flat. But really talented communication, place people who we really sort of come to life around are able to tell us what's true, but it's so embedded in kindness and unconditional love that we're really willing to listen to it. And this week, we're looking at the concept of, is it useful? You know, I mean, a lot of us in here, hopefully you all all remember way back in the day when you were a little kid, and, and I know with our kids, sometimes they'll argue about stuff, ready for this, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, 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 uh, you remember when we had that great family vacation and we went to Sea Isle and I know it was Stone Harbor and the other kids know it was Stone Harbor. You end up with that kind of argument. All, please raise your hand. We've all been there, right? Where we just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It'd be pointless for me to communicate it at that moment. World peace does not depend on me being right. So how is it that we can sort through that, that offering? What is truly useful? Now, I want you to sort of keep in your mind how we define usefulness here in this denomination. We have a very beautiful, beautiful set of, of teachings, and it's around, it's around use. It's around how Christians can live a life of usefulness, how humanity can live a life of usefulness. Use is simply this, love in action. Can we say that together? Love in action. It's not love in action, (laughs) as in like a negation. It's love in action. And that is what in our lives actually remains. Really useful things have that component of being love in action. Now, we're going to be looking at a story here of a vineyard. Now, this this story, it was was funny talking with a couple of the staff about it. It's, It's one of those Bible parables that makes no sense. Like, it makes no sense. It sounds crazy to the Western ear. Written thousands of years ago, it's like, how does, I don't, I don't get it, Chuck. Well, I'm going to try to hopefully leave you to a point where you do get parts of it. Because this story about the vineyard is, is really quite a beautiful story. And it'll get you to think. It'll get you to think in new and different ways. The Bible, folks, like, this is a little detour, but I just want to be clear with you about the Bible. A lot of people look at the Bible, like this book, and they look at it and they think of it's like, okay, there's a list of problems here, and then I'll look in the book and I'll find the answer, or the list that will give me the answer. 
It's not really what the Bible is about. Yes, clearly it gives answers. Yes, clearly it helps us to think of our lives in different ways. What the Bible is really about is about people like me and people like you. People who wrestle with faith. Again, everybody raise their hand for a second. You're looking at everybody who wrestles with faith. <laughs> right there. I mean, we, we wrestle with it. Like, it's, it's not always a clear-cut answer. We, 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 we tend to think like it's, there's this or there's that. It's either this way or that way. And the reality is the Bible keeps on pointing us to these third-way messages that are somehow right in the middle. And that's what I think these stories, like this parable of the vineyard, what they're talking about. They're, they're, they're trying to get us to really wrestle with it. They're trying to take our nice, neat, stacked-up view of the way things work and saying, nope, we need to actually reorder all that. Sort of creative destruction would be one way to, one way to look at it. So this is where the story starts. For those of you following at home, this is Matthew 20, one of the four Gospels that talk about Christ's life. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He'd agreed to pay them a denarius, which was a day's wage, for the day and sent them to his vineyard. So let's just take a look at just that simple part. Starts out, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. So, so again, we talked about last week, anytime you see kingdom of heaven, don't think of the Bible as an escape plan from this earth. It's how do we really live here? How do we really live here? Yes, there is a heaven. Yes, there is a life after death. And the way we get there is by learning how to live here, right now, with the people all around you. That's critical. So the landowner, yes, in a sense, of it's God, and it's also, in a sense, us. You know, not that we are God, but I think Christ is trying to get you, yeah, I need you to think about this from a couple of perspectives. Now it goes on, and again, the next slide, it says, agreed, the, agreed to pay them, let's say the D word together, agreed to pay them a denarius, 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 tomato, tomato, right? Um, you know, a, a denarius, it just, it was a typical day's wage. So they agreed to that. They agreed to that. And then this is how the story goes on. About the third hour, so, so 6 a.m. was considered the first hour. So about the third hour, which is 9 a.m., he went outside, they're standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard. I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour, and the ninth hour did the same thing. So, so he keeps on going back, keeps on going back, keeps on going back, hiring more people. Now you notice, how much time has this boss spent in the vineyard? How much time? None. I hadn't spent any time in the vineyard. Obviously, this idea of engaging people pretty important to this landowner. So he keeps on going back, bringing more people in, bringing more people in. About the 11th hour, 11th hour. So now we're like way into the day. About the 11th hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. This is where the story starts to flip. And again, like as a, somebody who grew up a Christian, I've heard that story a million times. You like you breeze right through it. But now being somebody who has people working for him, there's a crazy part to this story, right? And we have to go, hmm, okay, 6 a.m. hiring. I, I get that. You go out, you, you go to the employment agency, you hire people, you bring them in, you say you're going to work a day for me. 9 a.m., okay, so you need some more people, great. Noon, you're still hiring people? 3 p.m., you're still hiring people? 5 p.m., no one hired us. 
and they're still hiring. Does that make any sense, yes or no? No, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Because the only people that would have been left at 5 p.m. That would have been it. You know, so, so clearly Christ is talking about something far deeper. Now listen to how the rest of this story goes. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired. So they're saying the ones hired at, at 5 p.m. are going to get paid first. And going on to the first, the workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a, say the D word again, each received a? Darius. They're getting paid. Getting paid. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. Of course they did, because I'm worth more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those men who were hired, who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. Only worked an hour. And you've made them equal to us to have borne the same burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered to them. And listen to this, folks. Like, this is where we have to see Christ saying this with a smile. Not punishing, not rebuking, but with a big smile. Friend, I'm not going to be unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Now, as the band comes out, as the band comes out for this middle song, I want us to think about, yeah, what, what is this flip what is this flip that's supposed to happen? Again, like we, we tend to think in our minds, like, like you know, you do the work and, and you deserve the pay and those who work less deserve less pay. Of course that's fair. It, it wouldn't work otherwise. So obviously this story is talking about something different. It's really trying to get us to, to see the world differently, to, to, to kind of flip our usual view of meritocracy and how it works. And in the spiritual realm, you know, not necessarily in running a company, but in the spiritual realm, to really try to get us to reconsider. To reconsider. Repentance means this, to change our mind. Repentance means this, to change our mind. The story's all about changing your mind. And when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about, yeah, what exactly is that change? How does it con connect with usefulness? How does it put us on the bright side of the road. That is one beautiful song. You know, and at, and at those roads, you know, that road's the bright side of the road, the road that kind of carries us. Even when the road is broken, somehow, like in God's economy, it all fits. Somehow it all seems to work. And, and it's, again, interesting in these stories, right? Because I, I can read these stories, and it's so hard, like, in my mind to make it fit. But, but then we can take a step back. It fits perfectly. It tells us something amazing. Gives us a way to view life that, that I don't know that we really get anywhere else. You know, we live in a culture, again, that's so big on, on entertainment and the next experience and the next experience has to be even better and bigger than the last one. And here's one of those things that's just pulling us in in a different way. A different kind of view. A different kind of perspective. One that will help spiritual lives so much.
It, it, it starts with this, I believe, folks. Like, this real important. The first lesson that we have from this is really simple. I'm going to have you say the last two words there. The value of being needed. I need you, I need you to say that a little louder. The value of the value of being needed. The value of being needed. Think about that first person who you really got your work ethic from. Did they kind of make you feel needed, yes or no? Yeah. They helped you to feel needed in a way. Think about, I mean, how many of you, how many of the, you know that the moms in here, or the dads that do cooking, you know your kids ask to help, and they're actually no help, but boy, you know that they should be part of it. Right? That they should actually be part of that, of that process. Like it's important for people to feel needed. Even the 5 p.m. people need somehow to feel needed. I was thinking, what does this really mean? Listen carefully to this. I might take a note on my phone on this. Their participation, listen carefully to what I'm saying there. Their participation is more important than your productivity. I think moms know that. Their participation is more important than your productivity. Finding ways to engage people, it can make such a big difference. I, I think about a hero of mine, Father Gregory Boyle. He, he runs Homeboy Industries, the largest uh, anti-gang group in the country. And they run, they run all kinds of things, Homeboy Industries. They have Homeboy Cafe, uh, Homeboy um, uh, Silk Screening. He said they, they tried, they tried to do homeboy HVAC with gang members. And he said, who knew people didn't want gang members in their house? That one didn't work so well. But, but this guy really gets it. He really gets it. So again, like gang members from Los Angeles, one of the most difficult groups you can imagine. And this is the mission statement that they have. Look at that. Totally true. Totally, chills when you said that. Totally true. Nothing stops a bullet like a job. And this, and this guy knows that. I mean, he, he talked about this, and it, you guys have heard me say this, but I haven't say, said it for a couple of years, and it may be important for us to remind ourselves of this on occasion. You know, he, he talks about sitting in his office, sitting in his office there at his, at his Catholic church, and and in walks this, this woman, and she's, she's in deep need. And he's like all annoyed. He's got all these things he's got to get done. He's got to do a, do a baptism and a this and a that and the other thing. You know, I got all these things to do. And he said, I'm looking at my list. And he said, I almost forgot. Please listen to this. I almost forgot. People are never an interruption. I almost forgot. People are never an interruption. That's beautiful. And that's an understanding of, of what actually uh, participation can mean and, and how it can look. See, that, that whole idea of usefulness, it really matters. This is how New Church holds it. Use is the container of love and wisdom. It's, it's, it's what kind of brings love and wisdom together. 
uh, a few weeks back, Mary and Haney, Mary Haney and I were down in, down in the city, and, and Mary has a habit of getting flat tires down in the city. Mary will agree with me on that. And, and you know, a flat tire, and, and, and you see these people down in a rough part of the city who, who they really want to help. I mean, of course I know some of them are hoping we give them 20 bucks for it. Get it? And there's also this genuine desire just to help. Like, I know how to change a tire. Ask me. That's because, that's where love and wisdom, you know, wisdom wisdom isn't sort of some high intellectual thing. It's that wisdom where we know what's true. And it's coming from our heart. And, and those two come together in this, in this great usefulness that we can apply. And we can apply it anywhere in our lives. Like, you, anybody you love, you can call them to pull together what they love and what they know. What they love and what they know. You can do that in your marriage. You can do that with your employees. You can do that with your coworkers. You can do that with your kids. You can do that all over the place. And again, like on a bigger level, that's what I think a church can be. A church can be like this hub where that happens, where people come and they get energized and they start to see where love and wisdom can come together and go out there into this beautiful system of use out there into the world. But the problem is this, and this I think is where we all have to be clear there is a problem. The 6 a.m. crew, the early birds, the, the, the bright-eyed and chippy ones, who all got picked in the first round. They expected to receive more. Now again, folks, remember, did they receive what they were told they were going to receive? Yes or no? Yeah, they, they got, the guy, there was no sort of theft there. It was like, this is what I'm going to pay you. They said yes, so they were hired. Each one also received a denarius. So they began to, to grumble. Are, are we ready to grumble a little bit? There we go. We're going to grumble. So Angela's going to be around. I, I need like three or four really good grumblers. And I know some of you are really good grumblers. So what I want you to do is I want you to, to complete the statement, the sort of woe is me, but I fill in the blank. But I fill in the blank. For me, my grumbling part is always, but I work so hard. You know, I, I, I can use that sort of as a, Whatever, a way to grumble, a way to actually complain. What is it for you? So Angela's going to be around. I just need a couple of people. Like if we have three people with the but I, but I, blah, blah, blah. Where does that show up for you? So somebody raise a hand, Angela will be around. Uh, here. But I always take the trash cans down to the street. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. Welcome to marriage, those of you who aren't married. What's another one? But I traveled all week and I'm tired. That's, that's good. But I traveled all week and I'm tired. That's good. That'll fit in perfectly to our next slide. One more, folks. But I, but I, but I. You have one more person? See Angela on the move there. But I have an agenda and that didn't fit in with my plan. <laughs> that's good. Give those folks a round of applause. But I have an agenda. The word that I think 
that I think attaches to all of those. The thread that goes through all of them is this word. Deserve. Deserve, deserve, deserve. For the camera guys, we go back to just a big shot for the online audience because I'm going to race back and forth here. So, so you know, I, I, I can start here with, I like to think my life is about service. Like, I really want to serve. I really want to serve. I really want to serve. And then there's this little squirrel brain part of me that races over to here and goes like, yeah, but I deserve, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. Then the higher angels of my nature, they'll call me back over here and they'll say, no, job is to serve, to serve, to serve. We live in a culture that I would put forth tends to overplay this word, the word deserve. Now, interesting, right? Like the way that I was racing back and forth. The word serve and deserve. Deserve, ready for this, folks? It's the antonym of the word serve. Think about that. An antonym is a word that is the, please, English teacher in the audience, shout it out, is the the opposite. Think about that. It is the opposite. So when I'm talking about service, and at the same time, I, I want to say, yeah, I deserve this, that, and the other thing, I'm going right back over, actually, to the opposite of service. D-E is a negation, like destroy, deconstruct, demote. So when I say deserve, what I'm saying is service. Actually, I'm negating the whole idea of service. Mark, can I, can I use your example for a minute? All right, so, so Mark's example, like you come home from a trip, you're tired. His wife's been doing the, the or, or keeping run of the house, walking the dogs, all that stuff all week. What Mark is talking about that a lot of us can get into, my job is not to come home and serve. My job is to communicate to the other person what I actually deserve. I deserve to have a warm meal. I deserve to be able to go to go get a, get a big nap. I deserve to watch the football game after all afternoon, even though I haven't been home for a week. Does that work terribly well in loving relationships? Yes or no? No, it does not work. (laughs) There's always one, you you know, it, 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 loving relationships. It's, it's really difficult. I mean, folks, imagine again, like, like you're in this hiring position here. And, and, you know, you're, you're interviewing people and, and they're talking about like their role and what they want to do. And, and they say, look, I just, I just need to tell you, I just, as, as my employer, you need to know that I actually deserve to be happy. You got to be careful with that. There is a grain of truth to that. We do all in a certain sense deserve happiness. I mean, God is trying to give us happiness. And we certainly, you know, some people will flip it. Well, if you're saying you don't deserve to be happy, does that mean I deserve to be unhappy? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we just need to hold this carefully. We need to really think about what that word means. And we need to continually shift into that way of service. See, maybe in the end we do deserve, you know, in a certain sense, God created us. We deserve happiness, joy in this life. Maybe, maybe so, but, but I'd use a small D with that. And I'd use a capital S over here with the word serve. Maybe, maybe, maybe this. Maybe what I most deserve is the opportunity to serve. 
the opportunity to be useful, the opportunity to allow God to bring those loves. Like each, isn't this cool? Each of you has a crazy, unique thing that you love. Some of them are goofy. Each of you has a crazy, unique thing you know how to do, and you know how to do it so well. Yeah, and what if we were just communicating in a way that was bringing that to life all the time? Maybe that's what this story's about. Again, that participation, those bringing those things together in ways that can just be beautiful. The bigger picture here, folks, goodwill towards the neighbor as within it, the desire that it should be as well with others as with ourselves. It goes back to the two great commandments. If you're not familiar with those, it's love the Lord your God, love the neighbor as yourself. Again, it's not about like, I'm not worth anything. It's about like loving the neighbor as yourself. That's what that first reference is. And this piece of new church canon goes on to say, and angels, and among angels, there is a wish that it should, and I should put the word actually in there, should actually be better with others than with ourselves. That deep service that we're really actually, we reach a point where we're more concerned. Now that's not codependency. That's not sort of like righteousness, like, oh, I care about you so much more than I care about myself and making a big deal about that. It's, it's just this simple heart song. And I know some of you folks have them around it. Like some of you folks really have that. It's a beautiful thing. And we can continue in ways to do that more and more and more where, where we're actually able to see the service in there, not what we deserve, but how do we serve in this event? Are we ready to see an example of it? Yes, let's take a look at examples. So here's an example for you. In the racing world, the worst spot to finish in is fourth because we always give medals for first through third, right? So this is about, this is a video about a race. They're coming down the home stretch. So I want to give you a little context here. The guy in third place had won an Olympic gold medal. He's a British runner. His brother was currently in first at this race that took place shortly after the Olympics. His brother starts to struggle. Now again, as you see this video, think deserve, serve. You know, you can make an argument what you deserve because you worked hard, da, da, how you could serve, very different thing. And I want you to see what this brother does. I want you to see an example of what it really looks like when you value others more than yourself in a way that's incredibly healthy. Take a look at this video. Oh, and he's starting to slow, and there is a little way to go, there's half a K to go, and Johnny is running out of time, and he's losing, he's losing his sense of direction, this is worrying, oh goodness me, this is a horrible sight, Jonathan Brownlee has lost it now, and has staggered to a stop at the side of the course and Alistair's stopped to help him along and Alistair is going to try and carry his brother home. Dramatic scenes in Cozumel as the Olympic champion carries his younger brother towards the podium. Oh my god, I cannot believe what we are seeing here. Is this allowed? Is he allowed to help his brother? You know, is that part of the rules? I'm not too sure. We've never seen anything like this before. 
Unbelievable scenes. Unbelievable scenes in Cozumel. To finish in second and third, but Johnny can hardly stand. And Alistair is having to drag him across the line and pushing him home, pushing him home for second. Johnny finishes in second. Goodness me, what an incredible conclusion here. Is that a pretty cool video? <laughs> Folks, like, like, just trace through it, right? So, so you've trained hard for this race. Here's your brother, and they're struggling. Your sister, and they're struggling. The person you love, they're struggling. The person you don't even know yet, the neighbor, and they're struggling. And all the language, of course, just like this guy with his brother. I'm sure he has tapes like, you know, suckered in train hard enough. You know, or, hey, I, I work, I deserve. But you see, that whole deserve thing just go. It really is a miracle. Folks, and did you notice, how did he make sure his brother placed? What place did his brother get? Second. He actually pushed his brother across first. First, second, and third, right? That's how we count it. The first will be last, and the last will be first. That idea of service, folks, it's not just a good idea. This, this story is about like how we really are to value participation, how we really are to call out and help those we love to find their ways to useful service. Because that's, that's, folks, please listen carefully, that's how we find ourselves. That's how we find ourselves. That's how we find the, what we're intended to be. That's how we find the higher angels of our nature, when we, can, when we can do that again and again and again. And Christ is telling us these stories because he's trying to get us to see the world and to sort of unsettle us so that we can see it in deeper, in deeper, more meaningful ways. So your homework this week, mindfully share something useful with someone you love. Now, maybe it's in word, maybe it's in deed, maybe it's carrying them across the finish line. Be aware of that person who looks like they're sort of petering out. Find that way this week to be useful. Remembering simply this. Use is love in action. And remembering this. Love in action is what, in the end, remains. I'd ask you now to please join me in a closing prayer. We're going to then close with a final song. As we do the prayer, you're welcome to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it silently, your own prayer to just have a moment of quiet reflection. Please join me in a prayer. Lord, thank you for the understanding, maybe in a little way, of what the bright path can look like, the bright side of the road. And Lord, allow us from here to go forward with a sense of real adventure and, and openness and joy in our lives, knowing that the best, as always, is unwritten, that there is more and more to come in this life. And we discover that. We discover it. 
We can take the language of what we deserve and instead, Lord, can focus on how we can serve. 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., 5 p.m. Help us to serve all we find in those places. Help us to be open, open to what use actually looks like in our lives. And open, Lord, to just the simple question of being useful. How do we help each other to find that? A beautiful journey. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here tomorrow. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Hold us this week. In your name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 